Tonight, an independent consumer report suggests that the Republic Navy's Incom T-80 X-Wing starfighters are just the older T-70s with a slightly different body. What Incom's cost-cutting deception could mean for our boys and girls in blue. And a failed luxury music and arts festival on Crate, the multi-million credit disaster that is leaving partygoers feeling salty. These stories and the latest systems to come in line with the First Order at 11. Spoilers ahead. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Hoth Topics, a podcast about Star Wars. I am a creature living at the bottom of the ocean, and joining me this week is a salvager who has pulled me up from the depths, John. John, how you doing? Wasn't sure where you're going with that. I was going to make like a great joke about how, like, oh, you're not making a story up, you just live at the bottom of the ocean. But then it all tied in nicely, so... Good storytelling. I appreciate that because I, I give it I give it six popsicles out of nine, not popsicles. While I question your math <laughs> methodology, I do appreciate that because I realized as I was looking over to my notes to see what I had written for that intro part, I had not written it, so I had to come up with something off the top of my brain, and that's what I came up with. So it worked. I'm happy that it worked, and we are back again talking about. Star Wars Resistance. We have another Resistance recon for you today, and we are going over the next three episodes that we watched. Now, I know we are personally a little bit behind on the series. You may have already watched the other episodes that have come up after this, and you know what? If you did that, good for you. And if you're I know I did. back here listening to us tell you about these episodes again, getting our hot take, we really do appreciate you coming back. And uh, we're going to start off with uh, one episode entitled... Station Theta Black. Now, John, uh, why don't you tell me what happened in this episode? So we have we have Kaz taken off to go to go recon with Poe in the Starfighter that keeps being promised to Tam that Tam never gets to fly because <laughs> Kaz is a special boy. He <laughs> uh, meets up with Poe just before his ship explodes, as as per Kaz usual. Um, and, and they get uh, sent on a mission to do some reconnaissance of their own by the one, the only, Senator Leia Organa of Alderaan, who's no longer a senator. And arguably not yeah, really a Alder- princess? Can you be royalty if your country doesn't exist? I guess that depends Planet. on if, like, if the survivors of Alderaan are recognized by... By the government as still being from Alderaan, then okay. So they they go to an asteroid uh, mining facility that has mm-hmm. been run by the First Order. There's nobody there, which is weird. Spooky. Um, and so their mission is to discover what the uh, purpose of this mining facility was, and not get caught, which they do. Right. Because it's a Star Wars show, mm-hmm. <laughs> and nothing ever goes smoothly. No. That is true. They're caught by uh, Captain Phasma, who personally uh, oversaw the mission. mission. And because there was a droid on the ship that detected Kaz and uh, Poe when they got there, the station was set to be destroyed because the First Order was covering up their activities there. Poe and Kaz discovered that they were mining a material specifically used for weapons manufacturing 
and they didn't want anybody to know that they were mining that material, so they set the station to blow. Uh, a little bit of a space scuffle ensues after mm. they escape, and unfortunately for the First Order, they were unable to shoot down the Resistance pilots before the station was going to blow, so they had to let them escape and jump out of the way. Uh, thinking back on my notes, I can't decide if I was like a little too critical or not of certain things. That's something that I've had to watch out for, because if I've... If my first note when we watch these is negative, then I usually realize that I'm in the wrong headspace and I have to sure. I have to come back. Because usually my, my negative notes are super technical things that really don't matter story-wise. Right. And I think my the I, I've, I'm struggling with a couple story things, but I still really enjoyed the episode. I feel like Kaz should know when a stabilizer is malfunctioning before he breaks Atmo. Um, I did enjoy the progression of the story with uh, the two BB units, BB-8 and the other BB unit, and how they get along now. Droid love is what I wrote down for my note. I also really enjoyed how they, in in, uh, the scene where we get Leia giving the mission, how they're playing off Leia's worries about Poe's hotshot demeanor. It really strengthens the lesson that he learns in The Last Jedi, I think, by kind of establishing that he has that hotshot sort of thing well before the lesson that he learns in The Last Jedi. Yeah, I pretty much have the same note, and I think it's... I think they wrote it, wrote Poe in this episode to show Kaz being kind of the... I don't want to say the smarter one, because... Kaz is kind of an idiot, but that's kind of his character. Like, no, nothing against him. Yeah, I, but I'll get to what, that. What What we see in this episode is Kaz suggesting caution, and Poe just blatantly disregarding it. Like, oh, we probably set off an alarm when we shot that droid. We didn't set off alarm, and the next shot is a Phasma looking at an alarm. Right. Like, oh, we need to get out of here before the first order gets here. Well, the first order is not coming in the next three seconds. There they are, sort of thing, and it. I think after after watching The Last Jedi and then watching this, mm-hmm. it kind of makes Poe seem way more arrogant than he probably really is. But this this epi- this show takes place, you know, a year before or something like that before. Uh, it would take place during a little bit before and during the the Force Awakens right. because we're getting a scene straight from it in an upcoming episode. Are we? Oh. Yeah. yeah um, Hux. That I, I oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, uh, the, the rally the, speech. Right. If this show had come out before the sequel trilogy came out, the impact of seeing Poe and The Last Jedi kind of finally figure out what it means to be a leader would make more sense than seeing him make that realization and then watching a show that takes place before it happening, but in your mind you're still seeing Poe as the a... He's figured out that he what he needs, and now we're seeing a show where it's gone backwards. Yeah, I get that, but but again, like it's it's backwards because it, the learning hasn't happened yet. Right, and 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 that really shows me that they are concerned with watching character development. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a note I think I had in the last episode where I said there there's a certain sense of how they're handling character progression. And I think this is true of Star Wars overall, especially because they do a lot of that jumping around in time periods. And now that Disney has control over the canon and they've got story group and everything, there's a lot more of that focus on making sure that 
okay, what character are you using in what time period? Make sure that their attitudes line up with mm-hmm. what they were in that time period. Well, I think they, they exaggerated a little bit in the show right. just for the sake of its uh, the target audience and, yeah. you know, it's a show. But before we move on to that, you had mentioned earlier that, you know, Phasma kind of is in charge of this operation. And what I'm hoping is that we'll get a character story on the lines of Grievous and the Clone Wars, Mm. wherein uh, Revenge of the Sith, we don't really know anything about Grievous until the Clone Wars. And then in the Clone Wars, we learn that he's, he is a formidable opponent. Right. So that makes his appearance in the movies that much stronger. Same thing with all the characters, like... I, I think All the Anakin hunters. and Obi-Wan's characters, like, you need to watch the Clone Wars cartoon to really appreciate what's going on in uh, uh, Revenge. I, I agree with you. I think that this is a great opportunity to make Phasma into what she was promised to be in the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Oh, interesting side note about Phasma that I wrote down. Um, that That droid that alerts them to their presence Mm -hmm. that is the same droid that is used as one of phasma's specials in battlefront 2 yeah kind of a neat little neat little side note about that speaking of phasma let's see what else do i have here uh one astromech can control two ships i thought that was pretty nifty uh when there's there's precedence for that before maybe not in current canon but i know in eu stuff that uh, slave ship, or uh, not slave ships, but uh, what they call it, like slave circuitry, so that a droid could fly multiple ships was a thing. That's how the Katana mm. fleet traveled around the stars. They were all slaved to one, to one mind sort of thing. Yeah, I always, I always thought that you'd have to like specifically build your ships with that in mind. I didn't know mm. you could just like. Well, this is thirty years after. Yeah, I knew up, so I'm sure that technology, as we mentioned in the news report earlier. I mean, the technology already existed in what the Resistance is using, so... Right. Come on, New Republic. But uh, <laughs> that wasn't something I really thought about, and it was kind of nifty to see. Uh, did you... Did you? Were you examining uh, Kaz's blaster pistol at all? That specific, like, style of blaster shows up a lot in Resistance. Okay. This was the first thing and that I was really paying In the paying episode attention. that I watched that you didn't watch yet, there's even, like, a toy version of it that Tor plays with huh. for, like, a virtual shooting gallery sort of game right that's, that's cool. all i noticed it's it seems to be a very common blaster in this series the the thing that kind of caught my eye about it is that it seems like almost pre star wars in terms of its design like it feels like one of those like it feels even more junky yeah it feels like you know 50s sci-fi flash gordon-esque almost because it's got like the curved mm-hmm. handle like i think one of the things is that in Star Wars, we can always tell when a gun is based on a real gun. Like, you can look at a gun and be like, I can see the the real world, mm-hmm. like, things that went into it. And this one, I was just like, maybe it's like a revolver handle? And, like, n- the rest of it was just kind of cobbled together. It had a very similar shape to the guns the, the judges use in Judge Dredd. Oh, okay. Oh, what are they called? This is going to bug me, and my buddy Jack's going to punch me in the face that I can't remember. I think it's called the Peacemaker. It's probably Jack, not. Jack's I don't not going to punch you in the face. Anyway. He's got too much Kingdom Hearts to play. That's like true. Me. He has a way too much. And then I'll just throw some Cardassian knowledge at him, and he'll yeah. start to panic. I think I actually have something about Cardassians in my notes later on. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Um, I, I have a couple other things that aren't necessarily about the story. Do you have anything in any um, story notes? Let's see. For story notes... Personally, I'm still kind of struggling with Kaz's goofiness 
being like all over the map because mm-hmm. again like episode to episode he seems to go like total clown sort of goofy and yeah. then other episodes he swings back to professional ace pilot mm-hmm. and like this this is one of those things it's definitely a me problem kind of got to remember you know who the target audience is and why no. that goofiness is in there but i really like kaz as a character which i think is why i'm more hypersensitive yeah. about it I want you to be the right mix, but it keeps going right. all over the place. Where, whereas how Niku's Niku Niko's character is kind of the the comedy relief. It seems like he is a he's a very like silly, goofy character. Right. But it doesn't come off as jarring because that's kind of how we're expecting that character. Sorry, Mike didn't mean to hit you. Um, <laughs> we're expecting that character to kind of be as he's been shown. Mm-hmm. His his personality doesn't. Uh, sway as much as Kaz does. Sure. And I totally get that Kaz is the one that we're supposed to relate to as, right. the, as the main character. So, uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if uh, not if, because I, I know Disney shows, it's going to be when his when, when it all um, uh, comes to a head and cut, like you know falls in line sort of thing. Sure. It, it will happen. Yeah, it you happened, know, mo- it happened Most shows, with, uh... they, their first seasons are a little rough trying to write their characters out. And, you know, flesh them out to what they need to be. I'm thinking, like, Ezra really went through that sort of arc in, in Rebels, <laughs> where he kind of started off as... Yeah, Ezra Ezra started off making jokes about the Jedi, to, uh, mind-tricking ATST drivers off cliffs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I hope... Kaz, please don't go that far. Yeah. Um, I finally have a main character that isn't a Force-sensitive so far. Please don't screw this up for me. <laughs> On, on story, I have a couple like side notes, but on, yeah, my last too. my last story note thing is uh, I liked at the end how they had a little bit of sprinkling of the political situation of the New Republic. Mm-hmm. It's good flavor for what's to come, and I think it's helped flushing out the fact that the New Republic is not functioning as intended. Yeah, yeah, I I enjoyed that, and it was cool to see uh, General Leia. You know, I know it wasn't Carrie, but it was still cool to see her on screen in that form mm-hmm. uh so that was that was nice uh what are your other notes for the episode my, my my two other notes the first one is did we ever get a like a, a solid explanation as to how Kaz could just leave republic service and, uh, and nobody question it or is it just kind of assumed that the republic is blatantly working with the resistance and are just handing people off whenever, whenever they want to go I, I don't think it's either really i think we just never got an explanation for okay. why he could just leave yeah it was, <laughs> it was it's, it's still kind of weird to me yeah um, I, I i think it might have been one of those situations where Kaz left and maybe the navy was like what the heck and leia was like he's mine now and everybody just went just kind of shut up about yeah who's gonna argue because it's (laughs) we see that we see him in these situations where you think oh military military training would be great for him right oh he has military training Uh uh-huh i forgot (laughs) that he was a republic pilot and that's one of the the other things too that's like my with the goofiness thing it's Mm -hmm. just like he he switches into republic pilot mode in certain situations but not in the situations all the time that you'd think he would Mm -hmm. you know it like takes a while to get into that so and then my my only other like random note and this has to do with me starting to replay the battlefront 2 campaign um how come it is in star wars that shooting door panels permanently locks them I've never understood this. If I shut the lock on my door, my door would now be open. Right. It, 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 unless 
there's a security thing. Okay, no, 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 I can work this out in my brain. Let's say that there, this is a bulkhead door and there is an explosion that ruptures that area and the door panels are damaged. It might be a safety thing to keep that door from opening into a volatile environment. I think okay, that's right. I've convinced myself. I think that's right. I think that's that's how that works. Those so, are, and that was my dumb note. <laughs> a couple other side notes I had for this one. Uh, first order Tie Fighter Squadron each equal Tie Fighter Squadron equals four ties. Neat, nifty little knowledge to know. The first order is a lot nicer about intruders than Imperials. Imps would just start shooting with no questions asked. Wouldn't even give them a chance to surrender. I, th- I feel they yeah, would say much much more law abiding. They more... would say, "Hey, stop!" as they were firing at you. <laughs> and I'm glad we got to see a, a space battle in this episode. However, I, I hope they get a li- little bit more intricate in the future because I, I kind of felt like I was watching a little bit of a NASCAR slightly going left around the the station for the whole battle i want to see a little bit more of that acrobatic ship fighting dog fighting that but we got one so that was nice that's about it for that episode want to move on to the next one yeah all right so uh the next episode was titled bebo bebo is a small squid like creature that was pulled up from the ocean when sonara our our friendly neighborhood pirate spy salvaged up some parts for kaz to fix the fireball with and with it came this tiny little squid creature who Niku, like, was all over. He decided that he was his friend and his pet and kept it. People were relatively intolerant of the creature because it was trying to eat everything and also had a, a rank a rank stank to it. Niku took offense to everybody taking offense to the creature and threatened to quit his job because they wanted him to get rid of Bebo the creature. The majority of the plot is just that niku liking the creature and everybody else saying no well kaz and sonara went off to look for more parts on a salvage run and ran into i'm just gonna call it the kraken because it's basically a kraken a giant tentacled monster thing that headed straight for the platform the platform was then attacked by the giant tentacled thing that was looking for its children namely bebo and it took the characters a little longer than I was comfortable with to figure out that that was what was going on. Uh, and then Niku delivered the the creature onto its mother, rendering the attack stopped. And, uh, you know, the couple other things, you know, like the aces were scrambled and Kaz actually went out in the fireball to help the aces defend it against the squid thing. But they couldn't really do much to it. I was pretty stoked that... Uh, the first one of the first things mentioned in it was some Z ninety five love. <laughs> Z ninety five headhunters are like my favorite Star Wars starfighter. Mm-hmm. Though the ones that they pulled up are not the headhunters; they are the clone Z ninety fives, which are like a, a cockpit and a gunner seat. They're completely different aircraft. Right. And then Kaz mentioned that the markings were from something called Reaper Squadron. And I looked it up, and there's, it was made up for resistance. Oh, there's, sad. There, there's no uh, tying into anything else from it. There's gonna be now. You're probably. We're probably gonna get next next book, Reaper Squadron. Uh huh. <laughs> the audiobook will be great because for all the clones in the squadron, you just use the same voice actor. Right. <laughs> the other thing I hadn't noted specifically about the the Clone Wars references is that that the presence of crashed clone starfighters means that. 
there may have been a war or a, a battle fought above or for this planet during the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting because I thought that this planet was in the unknown, re- not in the unknown regions, but in the wild space, wild space or... sort of area, yeah. uh, the outer rim, which I didn't think that the the Republic had control over back then. Well, just because they didn't have control over it doesn't mean they didn't say, oh, we've identified a resource-rich planet. We need those resources mm-hmm. for the war. And then they got fought over. I should have looked up a galactic map to see where where the planet is. Right. Anything else on... Well, half my page of notes is just talking about Z95s. <laughs> uh, no. Okay. Uh, I, once my notes catch up to your notes, I will I will stop you. Sure. I thought, I you know, Sonara plays a sizable role in this episode. She's an interesting character. She's going to be a cool hero when she betrays the pirates. I'm, I'm calling that right now. I like her as a character. I think that her struggle with befriending... The, the Fireball crew and her loyalty to the pirates is going to come in to play uh, in, in future episodes. And I, I like that. I actually was curious about, because she's kind of got that, that purple-pink-hued skin. And I was wondering if she's like a Zeltron? And I, I looked it up, and she's actually a Miralanin. Miralanian. The green face with the triangle tattoos. Oh. With the with the diamond pattern tattoos. Yeah, uh, uh... yeah like... Um, Jedi Master mm, uh, Green. Uh, I'm a bad. I know. I'm a bad uh, Star Wars fan. I'm a bad Jedi fan. Think, think about what her pattern, her Padawan's name was, her, and how she, how she Jedi treasoned before the Jedi treason was cool. Right. <laughs> can't even remember her name. Can no, you? I can't. It's already so, out of my brain. Ahsoka's friend. Right. In quotations. All I'm seeing in my head is those two characters in there. In their positions in the Galaxy of Heroes, Galaxy of Heroes <laughs> app, and I can't. So Barris Offrey is is the Padawan, right? And, and her master, of course, is. And her master is. I'm quizzing you. It, it's you know it's escaping my brain at the moment. Master Luminara. Yep, that was it. Yep. Congratulations, you got it. Yep, that's her name. I knew it all along. Um. Anyway, so yeah, she's uh, Sonara is Miralanin, which I, I loved it when I looked it up on Wikipedia. It was like. Yeah, the species has a green to yellowish hue to the skin. And then in parentheses, it says they've also been known to have purplish skin. And I think that's definitely an add-on from (laughs) you've added to existing canon. Everybody scramble and panic. But uh, yeah, I really enjoy her as a character. I hope to see more of her going forward. Bebo is adorable. And if you think otherwise, you're objectively incorrect. I'm just saying it right now. So there's a part where Sonara is fishing for information from Kaz because... She's a salvager. Yeah, her, her pirate... Oh. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> her her pirate lord, pirate captain, tells her that the people who rescued her were resistance. And so she's trying to confirm that by taking Kaz out on a salvaging trip, uh, which is why they run into the Kraken. So she, she kind of like turns on the charm and says that Kaz seems like someone who likes to keep secrets. And then he went full Saturday Night Live on her after that by just saying the word secrets over and over and over again. Like, I, I told you, you seem to be the kind who keeps secrets. And then you proceeded to say the word secrets like 18 times. That's again, one of those goofy Kaz things. I'm just like, really, dude? <laughs> you gotta be, gotta play it cooler than that. I thought the comedy was on point in this episode. Uh, I laughed out loud a couple times. I loved uh, Niku's quote talking about an escape Bebo. His adorable trail of chaos and mayhem ends here. I enjoyed that line. Um, speaking of Niku, I, I wonder if his tendency for 
taking things literally and his overreactionary behavior is just him or if it's a cultural thing. And not saying that, you know, we can pinpoint in in real life we can't attribute certain all behaviors to just a cultural thing, but in Star Wars that's just kind of how they do things, you know? Like mm-hmm. each culture has its own sort of distinct you mean he's kind of like um Dave Bautista's species in Guardians? Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if it's like everybody or if it's just him. Just a side note, maybe worth you could you can make a you can make a story out of that. There's a point where they uh their search for Bebo takes them down into engineering where the two children from uh earlier in the season Kel and Ayla. Yeah, Kel and Ayla are hanging out with uh, the shell folk. I was I was actually glad to see them because I had forgotten about them. Right. And the fact that they're, they're still there, uh, you know, Tam asking them, like, so you just live down here with them? It, it told me that the show writers also hadn't forgotten about them. The Force-sensitive kids weren't just a one-off story right. to remind you that this is Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. They were a little... They were unnecessarily creepy in, in this episode. They're cryptic bs about something coming it was it was genuinely unsettling okay john let me ask you this what is it with star wars creatures being immune to blaster fire and electrical damage and like it it happens more often than it's a safety measure built into the creatures uh let's say that they are a bulkhead creature and there's an explosion (laughs) Uh, they automatically seal themselves from blaster and torpedo fire to keep the occupancies of the ocean safe from a toxic environment. Hazardous environment. Okay. Uh. Next question. <laughs> I, I think it's 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 they are they're covered in plot armor. They they want to show that these creatures are that they are a threat. Um and we you know, we see that in the Clone Wars, the Whatever that giant Cloverfield monster was that Palpatine wanted to harvest the art, the, the skin of. Right. Right. And I now can't... I can't think of any other character creatures because uh, I'm just thinking about whatever the heck that thing was. <laughs> Where was that thing from? Uh, it was from... Not Ryloth. It... Rodon? R- wasn't Rodan? it from the... R- Rodan? Wasn't it from the, the Toydarian homeworld or something? Maybe. I think it was. I don't know. Yeah, we're going to have to watch Clone Wars again. All yeah, right. well, we'll have to gonna do that. going to put this episode on hold. We're going to go binge the Clone Wars. We'll be right back. <laughs> we have to do that before October anyway. So there is a there's a part in the episode where uh, Kaz jumps into the fireball to go help the aces. And I really, really enjoyed that because it's a great way to endear himself to the aces and kind of bring those two plot lines together. Mm-hmm. The whole that That whole part of the episode was really fun to watch. I really enjoyed the montage of the starting at the the calling of the aces. Yeah, the note I have is the the launch montage for the aces was very Voltron slash Super Sentai <laughs> or Power Rangers for us Western people. There you go. Western, yeah, we'll go with Western culture people. There you go. Yeah, Kaz really got to show off his skills too by you know kind of showing that he could fly with the aces, yeah, and and, organizing. Yeah, I'm call- surprised that anybody listened to him. Yeah. I an liked... unknown pilot in unknown starship is giving commands. Let's listen. <laughs> I did. I well, he kind of earned some of that too. Like he he helped uh, guide the ex imperial guy down to the water when his ship was crashing. Mm-hmm. When you when you do stuff like that, when you put yourself out there to like help in dangerous situations, that that that'll that'll garner some respect. So I, I really enjoyed that. 
that sequence and that uh, that particular bit of this episode. If Star Wars animation has taught me anything, uh, the giant Leviathan Bebo will come back and be used as a Hail Mary weapon in the future. Yeah, it will probably <laughs> uh, take Kaz and the other aces uh, into a hyperspace lane. No, no, you're thinking of a different thing. Those uh-huh. are those are those are space whales. Those are purgle, sir. But these are these are regular whales. That thing was not a whale, John. It had too many tentacles. Mammals can have tentacles. What? <laughs> so it's space, you don't know. Uh, uh, but they're not in space. This is well, I mean, ocean creature. The planet is technically in space, so everything. All planets within, are technically in space. So technically, we are in space. Everything is in space. And then space is within whatever space is in, and then and then there's Purgle, and then Ezra and Don chilling playing Xbox. So th- this this scene like leads into the one part of this that just annoyed the crud out of me, and it's everybody ganging up on Nico, to I keep saying Nico, not Niku. Uh, Isn't it to, Niku? I've is been saying Niku? Niku the entire episode. It might be Niku. I'll look it up while you keep talking. I think it's because like his, I think his species is Nikto. His species is Nikto. Yeah. I think that's what's messing me up. Anyway, so everyone's ganging up on him to, to yeah, get rid of Bebo. It's Niku. And the only person that knows that this creature is after Bebo is Tam. Yet Draco Malfoy and the pink girl are screaming at him to get rid of this creature that they don't know what it is. Well, they, but they have full knowledge of why this other creature's here. And it, it annoyed me. They they heard Tam tell Niku, scream at Niku, you have to get rid of the creature. That was in a different room, though. No, it wasn't. It totally it was. It was not. She was right there. The pink girl, like, comes into frame behind Tam as she's saying that. Looks like she's overhearing them. Why are you so angry, bro? And then comes <laughs> over and then yells at, at, at them. And then, so what that that whole thing led into the other thing that uh, annoyed me is that Niku won't give up the creature and is willing to risk the destruction of the the station, the death of everybody in there, including Bebo, to not give Bebo up. Yeah, yeah, that bothered me too. That and it, I would understand if there was any hope that the Aces could bring down the creature. But it was like kind of obvious at that point that they couldn't do anything to it. Right. I mean, so much so that Doza gave the Aces clearance to use missiles, <laughs> even though this thing was right wrapped there. around right. the station. I, I have a note on Doza. It says, <laughs> Doza, quote, use any means necessary, except for one means. So I guess not every means necessary. Wait, never mind. Do the means. All, all, means, are, all, all means. means are open. Equal. That was so I, I, I think that they're trying to show is that Niku's biggest character or uh, character point character not flaw opposite of whatever character flaws his biggest strength character strength sure is that he has a huge like a really big heart yeah and that he's willing to sacrifice he told Yeager that he would leave his job if he couldn't keep Bebo with them you know that the the whole I'm fine with sacrificing everybody for this creature yeah was kind of a hyper exaggeration of that and right. it didn't feel like I felt like the strength of him wanting to threatening to give up his job for this creature was kind of then backtracked when he was like, okay, now I'm gonna be even more selfish. Right. Because before it's just yeah, I have a I have a heart and I care about this creature. Now it's now it's my way or everyone dies. Right. Yeah. And everyone dies. And everyone dies. Yeah. So 
I don't know. Maybe again, we are um, thinking about things. Yeah, we we think way, way too deep into the, into stuff. Yeah, but right. I, I think I think I think that's a valid point in terms of you know story construction too. Mm-hmm. One of the things is that I always kind of maintain is that certain age groups I think process information more than we give them credit for, mm-hmm. and I think that's definitely something that someone could pick up on. Yeah, um, and I I think you mentioned it at the top of the this segment that the creature is after Bebo because Bebo is its offspring, right? Something that isn't realized until this moment by uh, Nico. Mm-hmm. Niku. Ugh. I'm going to start calling him Big Green. Um, <laughs> I'm calling Bebo's, Bebo's biggest friend. <laughs> um, uh, not even, I can't even say that. And then you said at the beginning that it took everyone way too long to realize what was going on. Yeah. I realized that the moment a shadow was moving towards... The, the platform yep. and I think that's why I'm so critical of things decisions made in this episode is because I was able to figure out the twist yeah before the cast did or the not the cast but the the, the characters the characters did and it's also so maybe if if um I had gone into this and was with them and just thought this creature was coming to destroy it right to destroy the colossus maybe my opinion would be different mm-hmm. unfortunately I cannot time travel as of yet. Right. The door to the world beyond worlds is still elusive. Cool. It hurt my brain. That's a Rebels reference. Yeah. I know. It's just for you. Yeah. I, that's, that's to do with time travel. I know. <laughs> I know. I, All right. Let's, uh... It hurt, hurts me. Any um, other notes? I, I have one last thing about this episode. That is, at the very end, Kaz offers a Gorg pet to <laughs> Niku, and Niku consumes it right there and then alive and that 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 legitimately freaked me out like it, it i i i my note is in all caps oh my god he ate it alive that's messed up that's pretty normal i mean I, java eats frogs right but here's the thing about java java is a giant, java nobata java is a giant <laughs> java nobata <laughs> here's, here's the thing about java java nobata <laughs> Um, One time he ate so much pizza that he became a gangster named Pizza the Hut. Uh, I think that's canon. Jabba has a a giant mouth mm-hmm. in which he could fit a giant whole thing. Miku had to bite. He had to tear <laughs> chomp, that chomp, thing chomp. up alive, and that that again, reading too much into it, <laughs> but it it legitimately upset. I was impressed by that. I was unsettled. And I think it's because I, like, in that very moment, I was like, this is a kid's show. Yeah. Don't show that. A thing that I I liked about that, which goes back to Kaz's character, is that after after all was said and done and and, um, they return Bebo to its parent, largest friend. Largest um, friend. uh, Kaz feels bad about the situation and goes... You know, and, and, and does something to try to cheer him up by getting him a new pet. Right. Which turned out just to be lunch. And we <laughs> saw this with a, a lot of the characters in the show. With, um, I, starting with Yeager yelling at, yelling at Niku to, you know, get rid of it. And Tam going, mm-hmm. Niku runs off and Yeager says, I'm not going to shut down the shop for that creature. And Tam says... Dude, you've shut shut this thing down for Kaz multiple times, and we always help him. Yeah, and so then Tam immediately goes out 
to help Niku, you know, help her friend. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I, mean, I really want to learn more about Tam because Tam seems cool, and we don't get yeah, she anything. Needs more. The only thing that we see of her is her complaining that Kaz is breaking her, uh, breaking breaking the fireball. Which, to be fair, Yeager has said to Tam many times is going to be your ship. Hmm. So I I'm, I'm, I want to learn more about her. I want I, I, I can't wait till we see her jump and do the fireball to do something. We need we need more. I agree. I agree completely. All right. Uh, on Let's to see. Well, real quick. I have yeah. The notes that I didn't just draw onto my tablet. <laughs> so to wrap this up in a pre-prepared statement, or to wrap this episode up in a pre-prepared statement, I wrote uh, this is what I personally want from a Star Wars show. Stories that take place in the universe without galactic repercussions. But more of that on another episode. The episode I was telling you about that we should record. Oh, later. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll edit that part out. Uh, <laughs> no, that's good. It's a good tease. So, uh, and then I was glad to see that the Force-sensitive kids were, uh, weren't forgotten or going or look like they'll be part of an overarching plot. Sure. Um, now that Tam knows that they're down there. <laughs> Uh, to and and Nika just real quick. I really liked how quickly Tam was like went from suspicious to like okay, whatever. <laughs> like yeah, right. you, you just live down here. Well, yes. All right. <laughs> well, well, she says that, and then Niku says, "Yeah, the shell folk have lo- worked down here in engineering for years." And then, like, you can kind of like see a look on her face. There's a lot more on the station. I need to get out more. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Kaz would stop breaking my ship. Um, <laughs> let's see. Blah, blah, blah. We already went over that. All right. So, um, like I mentioned, I figured out the twist pretty uh, pretty early, and this is where my my Star Trek reference came in that I, was, I teased last last segment. So I'm gonna start treating the stories or these stories. Like a Cardassian crime novel. All the suspects are guilty, but the enjoyment comes from discovering why they are guilty. <laughs> Shout out to my spoonhead boy Garrick out on Terraknor. So uh, that Star Trek reference just talks about in, in Cardassian crime novels. It's not about finding out how the person was innocent and how they're set up. It's finding out how they were guilty. Right. That made more sense in my head as related to this episode. I, I see what you're saying. Um, where it's, it's more... We know where the story goes, kind of like Clone Wars, kind of like with Rebels. We know this is a prequel show, so or a prequel to a series show, so we know where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. So I need to sit back and just figure out how these characters and these stories get from where they are now to what we know is going to happen. So yeah, for sure. Part of my tuning it back, stop taking it seriously, Yeah, just accept that security doors get shot and no yeah. one gives a crap exactly like that's and it, this is this is an interesting challenge for us you know as as older star wars fans going into the going into stuff that is not made for our specific age group is mm-hmm. just like constantly reminding yourself like just yeah this is okay like just let it go it's fine and we nitpick you know, we nitpick on these episodes because, I mean, if we didn't nitpick, we wouldn't have as much content as as we do. It's all out of love for the series. And All right, I, I didn't have uh, too much for this next episode, but that is not to say that I didn't enjoy it. The episode was entitled A Dangerous Business. Cal's got some stuff from, from oh, I wrote their names down, for, for Flick uh, and the other guy. Flix and Orca. Thank you, because my note that I thought I wrote down both their names, I just wrote, I can't I can't not hear the Dean when Flick talks. Oh, Jim Rash. It's just it's just the Dean. Yeah. It's just the Dean. And I'm fine with that. Right. The um, Dean for anybody 
from uh, community is from community he's the deaniest dean of all the deans a show that you should watch he's a good dean uh kaz kaz got some parts for them or from them and to pay it off he said that he would work in their shop for the day while they go visit flix's mother um cool Um, right (laughs) well they did mention that um not to wiggle your fingers in front of their pet otherwise you'll think it's food and bite them the pet's name is bitey the second thing was there's stuff in the back that in the back room that is dangerous or it's a weapon or it's a dangerous weapon so don't sell anything from back there don't go back there don't even look at the door. <laughs> and then there was a bunch of other rules that were just about taking people's money. Yep. Customer was always right. Take, their, take money. their money. Um, all sales are final. Take their money. And then <laughs> take their money. Which I thought was funny. I enjoyed that. Uh, they take off. A, a large uh, creature shows up uh, claiming to be from a mining guild um, and wants a phase connector. Yes. Phase inducer. I want to say phase inducer, but that's the thing that turns people... Into stone phase. and rocky horror, if I remember. No, that's the, that's the phase inducer. Trans inducer? Anyway. Pretty sure I, it's a phase connector. I didn't I didn't write it down. Maybe I did. Uh, like one short... Phase connector. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cass says, we don't have one for you. We got one for someone else. And then the, the customer is irate and painfully obviously sets up sets up Kaz to not be in the shop yeah he orders a bunch of stuff he orders a bunch of stuff and then constantly repeats so it's here it's in the back because you have one okay here's some other stuff and he delivered to a cargo crate that mm-hmm. Kaz gets locked in while the guy goes and breaks in and BBA tries to stop him and then he gets his hand bit but gets away with the piece gets on his ship find out that he's working with the first order Kaz escapes his his metal coffin and boards boards the, the miner's ship. I don't know what species he was. I don't either. He was like vaguely Trandoshan, but he was like he looked like no, he was too he, big. He, yeah. No, you know what he looked like? He looked like Arthur the Aardvark. <laughs> yeah? Uh except like Yeah, except a, like a dinosaur jawbone. version. Yeah. yeah. So that was yeah, anyway. You're welcome. He, he looked he looked like a middle-aged Bowser without the shell. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets on the ship, tries to get the part back, can't, has to short a circuit to bring the ship down or something. And that's... <laughs> you're, you're, John's face when he was starting to describe that. My, my <laughs> note for that sequence is, one short causes catastrophic engine meltdown. <laughs> nice. Um... <laughs> So he, he gets an escape pod, flies back to the ship, or flies back to the Colossus. Uh, Flix and Orca show up, and they're like, what'd you do to our shop, you jerk? It was like, well, this dude came. Like, oh, this dude? And he's like, yeah, and I blew up a ship. I'm like, cool. Okay, you got to work here until you fix the stuff. But other than that, that's good yeah, job. Good we job, didn't, We didn't like him. He's been <laughs> trying to steal from us forever, so good job. Yeah, long story short, the guy was trying to get this phase connector which is used for mining um or blowing up asteroids i guess uh to the first order mm-hmm. and he at the end of the episode he has to report in to commander pyre i believe yes who who is my favorite of he's the, he's the, the new one, first right? order yeah he's my favorite of the new four starter guys because he is constantly polite and at the same time threatening oh we'll just wait till the episode that you haven't watched yet oh i'm stoked um so 
he and, and him and a couple First Order Stormtroopers, they also escaped from the ship and escape pods, and they flew off into space in their escape pods. I didn't really think escape pods were that sort of interstellar travel capabilities, but, you know, good on you. It's 30 years in the future. Yeah, in the past, who knows? In the long, long ago. Maybe maybe they're just going up to upper Athmo to get picked this up is, uh, or something. I, I'm, I'm realizing that I've gone back to uh, why just shooting doors, panels, <laughs> So we'll move on. Ian, yeah. I'm going to cut you off. This is where I was starting <laughs> to feel bad for Tam. Tam, they start, they start the episode off with, I was going to take the ship out, but every time I want to, you give it to Kaz. And I feel really bad for her because, again, all we've heard her do is basically complain about this situation. And I'm not annoyed with it. I actually feel bad for her. Yeah. Because everything was going fine until Kaz showed up and took her plane from her. Right. So, come on, Tam. Yeah. I believe in you. Well, I... uh, You'll be an ace pilot soon enough. But one thing I enjoyed about this, this, that particular part is that... Not only has Kaz grown in his capacity as a mechanic, which ties into the character progression thing that I was talking about earlier, but he also recognizes that he's been taking something away from Tam and works to make sure that the fireball is running for her mm-hmm. so that she can take it out. Like, he realizes... He does it wrong, though. He does one thing <laughs> wrong and switches it around, but he... He made the deal yeah. to watch the shop specifically for Tam yeah. because he knows he's been kind of screwing her over. So I, I liked I liked that because it would be one thing if they just ignored it and made it like Tam's thing. If her entire character growth was, I never get to take out my ship because Kaz keeps breaking it. They could go with that for like eight seasons. Like they've done, people have done less with characters <laughs> like but the fact that they kind of like addressed it and hopefully will move forward with this and move forward with our character, I, I like that. So, do you got anything for before he's locked in a cage? Yeah. I, I, I also enjoyed the take your money thing. The way that he was being treated, I wrote down, this matches up my experience in customer service. I, sometimes, sometimes you just get difficult customers. <laughs> Is the Mining Guild a front for organized crime? Because they seem to be criminally inclined in every so, era of Star Wars. I, I think that Orca kind of clears this up a little. When when Kaz mentions who it was that was there, mm-hmm. he goes, was he claiming he was from the Mining Guild? Sure. I, I think they kind of knew that he wasn't actually with the Mining Guild. Okay. I think... I think, And I don't think... I, I, I don't, I, actually, I can't, I can't say I don't know if Orca and Flix would sell to the First Order intentionally. Right. Because we don't really know much about their characters. But we know they don't want to sell it to that guy who claims to be from the Mining Guild. Okay. And I think that he just said that to Kaz to give himself some credentials. Sure. Like false credentials or whatever. Okay. Because the thing that was throwing me off is that I don't know why I remember this really ridiculous, vague thing, but a lot of the Mining Guild stuff was yellow. Back in Rebels, like, the Mining Guild used a lot of yellow iconography some yellow augmented ties and the ship that the guy gets on has yellow striping i was just like oh mining guild well but that could just absolutely just be color choice i'm I'm gonna throw out some eu knowledges at you and i believe the second novel in the jedi search series 
they they crash the Falcon on Kessel, mm-hmm. and they're shot down by a mixture of X-Wings and TIE Fighters. The, the mining guild that was controlling Kessel at the time, mm-hmm. their security was just military surplus. Yeah, reclaimed. So I think, like that we see in Rebels, I don't think that they're Imperial because they have TIE Fighters. I think they have TIE Fighters because there's a surplus of them on the market. Well, they, they Kind of are... like how Incom doesn't sell just to the Rebels. But the mining guild, too, was also the ones in charge of the world devastators and rebels and they were taking commands from hmm. so well, I, mean, I mean regardless the of, have established that all corporations are evil yeah so. exactly like regardless <laughs> regardless of who they 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 serve or not they mining guild seems to equal shady business well um, and they are an uncontrolled space that's true that is true so there's probably a lot there's probably more of a leaning towards shady business in the non-republic controlled spaces mm-hmm. where they can get away with it kind of like how in the prequels in the clone war series that trade federation always claimed to be members of the republic but i mean they were clearly working with uh confederacy uh right um well they were working with their best intentions and their own uh words Anyway, we're, I get what we're, you're saying. we're so off track. Yeah, dude. where were we? This this is another example of reading too much into things. I I read into the fact that a ship had yellow stripes. Like mm-hmm. you can't get more. And I think that has to do with my obsession with you know inter interlinked. Uh, Everything has is connected. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, you mentioned you didn't have a ton of notes, right? Well, yeah. A lot of mine are just like just a rant, like nothing. This was... I'll, I'll save that. Um, you, what else you got? Um, the, I got two last notes. One is I can totally see Kaz bragging about bringing down that ship in the future. I once brought down a ship armed only with a Gorg in my wits. <laughs> like, and then now at the end of the episode, he, he's got three jobs now. He, he right. needs to take it easy. He's going to burn himself out. My, my last couple notes are... Um, and then one that I was laughing hysterically at. Orca, Orca and Flix arguing over Flix's hair, uh, ethnicity or uh-huh. heritage, where he's like, my uncle was Gungan, blah, blah, blah. And then Orca going, you know Gungans don't have feathers. Like, or <laughs> sc- actually, not asking him, but screaming, Gungans don't have feathers. Yeah, you- <laughs> can't, can't you tell the truth once? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I thought that was funny. And then here's the part where I forgot where in the timeline this took place, because I wrote, maybe the face connector will be used, it will be used as the basis for the technology in Starkiller base. Mm-hmm. And then the next episode opens up with Starfighter or Star Destroyers orbiting Starkiller base. So I'm like, oh, well, maybe they're working on something else. Well, that here... will probably show up later in the season, like some sort of a uh, rail cannon that they're going to mount in a Star Destroyer. Well, he, sort here, of thing. here's what I was thinking Starkiller base is just supersized Death Star tech, right? See? So I'm wondering if it needs kyber crystals to act as the focus for the sun's energy that it drains. Oh, they so, they might use this to go so crack I, some planets, crack some to planets get, some kyber. get some kyber. Because, you know, John, the strongest stars have hearts of kyber. Mm. Kyber. Well, it makes sense because Starkiller Base in itself becomes a star. Right. Or... Um, it could be used to make those cannons that blew open the doors and the force oh, weapons. Uh, the, because the those, ram? Yeah, because they actually straight up said that's miniaturized Death Star tech. So, <laughs> and 
either way, they need Kaiba. Kaiba! I wish they would. I hope in the next movie, before we wrap this up, mm-hmm. they just bring, they're like, you know what, screw it. Starkiller Base 2. And they, or like, they'll, they'll like no. a regular, like, the Starkiller, it won't be Starkiller Base 2. It will be Death Star 3. And Ugh. they'll refer to it as miniaturized Starkiller technology. Ugh. I and now I'd be like, all right, I'm fine with this. I don't no, <laughs> like, no. We've we've given up. We've no. just given up. It's no. fine. We'll go move on. No. So No. You uh, will no. 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 So my last note on this, it was just made me laughing, is uh what is the name of that creature? It's a It's a Gorg. Gorg? Okay. Or I wonder if this was filmed, animated, was meant to be released before the last episode. And Kaz gives <laughs> gives Niku no. Orca and flicks his pet. No, no, <laughs> awful. I'm just saying. And Bad. Then, and then they realize exactly your reaction, and they just shuffled the episodes around because there's non consequential stuff going on in that episode. They could have dropped it anyway. So. Well, uh, one final final note on the episode uh, for me, uh, based on what you just said, I liked how even though this episode was mostly filler, it still Mm -hmm. had some tie-in implications to the overarching story. Like, the story itself was minute and didn't really have any great consequences. But it did provide, you know, just one little clue about the wider, wider story. And I liked that. Yeah, my, my my last little thing on that is exactly in line with that. Is I wrote, uh, I kind of felt like a comedy filler episode. Yeah, like just like you yeah. said. Uh, for me, there was a lot of hit and misses with the slapstick humor mm-hmm. that they were going for, and Cass talking to himself is stuff starting to wear on me a little. Mm-hmm. But I understand it because he he's a character that has to. He can't really tell people what he's doing. Right. Because it could endanger his life, it could endanger their lives, mm-hmm. and I understand it when he bounces his ideas off like BB-8 mm-hmm. or something like that. Even though the responses we don't understand, but uh, droids in the Star Wars universe are conscious. They, you know, their opinions it's, when it's, you're bouncing ideas off them are still valid. It's the Han uh, him talking dynamic. with Bitey was like, Kaz, I think you're starting to lose it. <laughs> and then when he was in the crate talking to himself alone, um, I was like, Kaz, are, you may need to get out some more, man. You were you were upset. Oh yeah, he so to get out of the shipping crate, he's locked in. He grabs what appears to be a plasma torch, and then he grabs a like a focusing lens and shoots plasma at a lens to magnify its output to cut through the metal. And unless someone can tell me that he was using laser tech and not just like a generic plasma torch that we know, and it looks like a generic plasma torch. That's not how lenses work. <laughs> can't Pla- plasma is plasma isn't a light it's uh anyway that upset me more than the door thing yeah which i was able to <laughs> talk myself out of earlier i can't talk myself out of this one yeah uh <laughs> so and then to, to finish it off that again the i'm thinking that the phase connector will probably be used as a macguffin for a super weapon that will be designed for resistance Okay. I just, it's, I, I've seen enough shows to kind of like pick up on things like that. Sure. They focused on it so much. I don't think it's going to be a one-off. Um, no. One-off creation. So, I, I'm sure we'll see it again. Especially since it seems as though that um, that traitor had 
a previous a existing relationship with Pyre. Right. So there's a good chance that we'll see him pop up again, trying to do something dastardly. Mm-hmm. And still looking like my boy Arthur. <laughs> I, I there was I know you said the slapstick was hit or miss for you in this episode, but there was one comedy bit that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And that's when Kaz he's he's escaped the so what the 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 large Rodian who uh is, you see him in scenes you know throughout the mm-hmm. he's a common background character he's the one who who got paid to dump the crate that Kaz was in mm-hmm. into the ocean and Kaz escapes and he's just hanging onto the crane and the Rodian notices him and looks up he's like what are you doing up there and he's just like what are you doing down there <laughs> I'm working. Well, so am I. So get back to work. I I don't know why that really worked for me. <laughs> well, I think that's everything uh, for the episode, John. Uh, what do you think? Only thing else I got is for an episode that I didn't need to watch. Well, so o- overall opinion on these uh, resistance so far, Ian. How, you how know, you feeling? It's going. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying it. Uh, you know, I keep coming back to watch it. I think that's that's a good sign. Resistance is one of those things that I'm enjoying keeping up with and and coming back to and watching. Uh, right before we close up, what what are your feelings on Resistance so far? As, as much crap as we give it, I I think it's because it, it comes from a loving place. Yeah, we wouldn't we keep we watching. don't we don't jump on here and say oh it's another crappy episode of Resistance. Well, well, we get in here and we say. There's some flaws here. Uh, why, why, uh, why do doors work the way they do <laughs> why, in Star Wars? Why do doors? How come? How come there's water on this planet? Like the stuff that we, we, we you generally point out is negatives about the show aren't necessarily negatives about the show, but negatives against the universe in general that the show really has no. And it, it's not even really negative. I think it's just us trying to validate our. Well, let's try not positive. Yeah. Because, yeah, you're right. Negative is too strong, but... They're nitpicks. Nit- Nailed it. Yeah. Nitpicks. They're just nitpicks. Like, we, we still come back and enjoy it. As much crap as I give the writing for Kaz, I, I think his voice actor, Christopher Sean, I believe. Christopher Sean. Yeah, uh, that I guy. That guy, I, I can't not like Kaz because of his voice actor, who, like, on Twitter, he's always out there asking for uh, podcasts... Yeah, specifically about like about Star Wars or about Resistance. I'm pretty sure he and, follows like, us too. Like that was he's up there for me with Daniel Logan and his, with his continuous wanting to be part of the community. Yeah, and show that just because he is has a role in in the movies as a as a character that he also wants to be part of the fandom in the community. Yeah, there's no place to go but up with the character. Right. Same and, thing with Ahsoka. Same thing with Ezra. Yeah, it, and, it just it took the writers. A little bit of time to figure out what they needed, and sure. even even then, it was we had these young characters that were still growing and maturing, and we'll get to that point where Kaz is that character. He's he's Padawan Ahsoka, right? He's he's Padawan Ezra, and and like Just I said, please please don't make him a Padawan. Leave him. Yeah, I don't. Please don't make him force sensitive. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on this one. We I'd we, rather Tam be force sensitive or BB-8 no. or Bucket. This, Bucket force sensitive. This show doesn't one, need, number one A plus. This show does not need a main character force sensitive it doesn't like mm-hmm. and and i say that as a forcey worcey fanboy mm-hmm. it doesn't need it. it it we can tell those stories somewhere else yeah. this is this is the show is great as it is and and like i said earlier like even though i've been picking on kaz too i love the character like i really enjoy him as a character so it's it's i, I totally agree with you um yeah, yeah i i think i i think i know it it's because he's the point of view character that we're yeah. more critical of him and sure. the show is is about him 
that all the stories, you know, kind of have right. to revolve around him. Like, I want right. to see more about Tam. I want to see more about Sonara. I I actually would like to see an entire spinoff show with just Flix and Orca running a shop <laughs> and arguing yeah. like an old married couple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, just... I totally forgot what I was going to say. All right. We it's, nailed it. It's gone. Like, not even... It's... The remnants don't even remain. I just... It's gone. Was it... I was going to say. Was it... How to reach us to to argue <laughs> against us and tell us how wrong we are? Was it Ian? Uh, no, but it if could it be. was, how would the good folks with uh, turning us in their ear holes do that? Well, they can go ahead and find all of our previous podcasts, uh, along with some articles and some fascinating build descriptions and lots of other fun things, at our website hoftopicspodcast.com. You can also find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Probably. It's most likely on there. Uh, if you'd like to send us a message, you can tweet us at on the Twitter mm, at HoffPod. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, you can also send us an email at HoffPod at gmail.com. We would really appreciate any and all things that you would like to let us know. Did we do, say something you agree with? Did we say something you didn't agree with? Why are we wrong? Why are you right? Is there a topic that you'd like to hear us discuss in the future? Is there a topic you would like us to avoid at all costs? Let us know. Tell us your feelings. We would very much appreciate it. I will point out if there's one that you want us to avoid at all uh, at all costs, there's a good chance that I might just have to record that anyway. Yeah. Because I am a troll and I am sorry and I'm trying to change my ways. And you know what? Uh, I don't really have a shout out the for for this episode, so I'm going to say, uh, you know what? Go follow Christopher Sean because he is a uh, uh, he's a really positive guy uh, in the in the Star Wars community. And if you like what we're talking about here with uh, Resistance and you want to get his take on stuff, get, give him a follow. He's a rad dude. Uh, I've been Ian. I was about to make up uh, a thing about how we have we're going to be giving away Star Wars celebration tickets. And then I realized the how how bad of a mistake that would be. So I'm not. Yeah, that that is that would be very bad. <laughs> Something along the lines of, would you like to win Star Wars celebration tickets? No. <laughs> well, <laughs> good luck somewhere yeah, else. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was John plotting to give me a heart attack. Thank you very much, everybody. We will see you next time. cool if it was rebellion reborn uh that'd be cool and that was the most that was like the fun i had with it and then everybody kept asking episode nine they really hate that shit (laughs) i'm for it (laughs) (laughs) let's just just pick an obscure character from uh from (laughs) like uh uh oh who who uh Who's, uh... I told them they couldn't park there. <laughs> <laughs>